middle of Advent season, and this is what we learned last week. We did Advent week one, and we learned that Advent helps us to remember that the Christmas season is about gifts, delicious cookies, and Santa, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. That's a good place to say amen, right? Amen. But also we learned that Advent is about the arrival or coming of Jesus. And so Advent was before Christ came. They said he is, there's a Savior coming. Uh, we don't know when he's going to be here, but he's going to be a mighty counselor. Uh, he's going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, an everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world. He is coming. But we also learned last week that Advent is also about the arrival and second coming of Jesus. Friends, he's coming back. He's going to come get us. He's going redeem this world and this planet and it's going to be amazing. I will have a new glorified body. I could dunk and I'll have a six pack. It'll be amazing. It'll be wonderful. But he is coming back. And I even love that Advent uh, many of the 6th century uh, um, uh, you know, scholars, things like that said you know what, we need to treat December 25th like Jesus is coming back every single year. So December 25th, Jesus might come back, am I ready? They're not only going to heaven, but what impact am I making here today? So let's read Isaiah chapter 9 again just today. It says, for, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you. Your word is living. It's active. Your word is, is it's true. I thank you your word is, is for us today. But Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the midst of, of our church, in the midst of every single person's heart. But Father, I thank you that as we change our perspective this holiday season, as we spend time with family and, and do our Christmas traditions, but Father, I pray, help us to honor you. Help, Father, help us to see you in a new light, in a new way. But Father, I feel impressed in my heart, those that are dreading the season, maybe from past hardships or past experiences. The Father, I pray you begin to redeem the season by what we learned about you. Give us a revelation of who you are in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. I pray the Bears get the first round draft pick. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. 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 It's the little things, guys. It's the little things. So last week... I did Wonderful Counselor, and I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're doing that. If you're taking, if you like handwriting notes, take a picture of that for me. Tag me on Instagram because I love that. And, uh, but last week we did Wonderful Counselor. Wonder means, wonderful means marvelous or miraculous or unexplainable or out of the ordinary. And, I, and I, we, we, we had an Advent challenge this week. But I, I wonder, did anyone, I sent an email out as well, but did anyone uh, really take God up on being extraordinary? Did anyone this week say, you know what, I'm going to take a step of faith. You know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to take a step and I believe this is God. It doesn't make sense. It's out in the ordinary. Maybe for you, that was serving, signing up for Connect One Day, giving. Maybe that was talking to somebody. Maybe that was being a witness wherever you were at. Uh, you know, uh, whatever it was, I pray that you heard from God and he asked you to do something miraculous. That's my prayer. Now today, I'm going to be talking about Mighty God, mighty God. Now, as I begin to study this out, uh, it, it was a little difficult. It was like wonderful counselor. Got that one. Easy. This is good. Wonder means marvelous, miraculous. And I could yell and scream and make really good reels on Instagram, things like that. Uh, but mighty God, mighty God. Mighty God was, 
was, was a little different because, uh, I mean, I grew up in church, so one mighty God we serve. Right? Okay. Uh, and so, sorry, if, 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 you, if you just clap, we have PTSD class afterwards. We're going to hug you, and uh, we'll get you uh, all that church hurt out, okay? Uh, but mighty God, in the, so this is the English translation of the Bible, but if you take and you go to the original language, this is actually the word Isaiah used, El Gabor. El Gabor. El Gabor. Uh, and, 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 so, and you, so I found El Gabor, and then I said, well, let's, let's look up what El Gabor means. And El Gabor means it's the name that speaks of God's power and his might. God's power and his might. Gabor alone is used in reference to mighty and heroic men and women. The two terms together always refer to God. And so anytime you see El, that's, that's for God. You know, Elohim or, or, you know, those different things in God's power. And so what does this mean for us today? That means that a Gabor is on stage telling other Gabors about the El Gabor. Thank you, Kat. I appreciate that. That's nice. All right? A mighty man is telling mighty men and women about a mighty God. That's our standard. That's our, that's our status on this planet. And it's Isaiah chapter 45. And, and, and I love Isaiah 45 because it kind of changes the perspective of God, especially during the Christmas season. It says, in your majesty... Ride out victoriously. I want you to remember this word. Ride out victoriously for the causes of truth and meekness. Truth and meekness. El Gabor, it's power and might, but he stands for truth, but he also stands for meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. You know, like... Like, what is this? For people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so here we see the term right out. And, and David wrote Psalms, and he actually was unintentionally referencing a later book, which was Revelation, which was written hundreds of years later, where John had a revelation of heaven. And it said, then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. One who's sitting on it is called Faithful and true. This is Jesus. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. He took Santa's robe, you know. You didn't like that, huh? Wow, that was wrong. But I tell you this because here's what also says, for his mouth comes a sharp sword, which to strike down the nations while he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He'll tread the wine press. And this is a pressing of, of grapes that go into wine, that, make, that become wine of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Why am I sharing these three scriptures in the Christmas Advent season? Because I really believe as a culture and as a society, we have to know that he's not only a baby in a manger, but he's an almighty warrior. Okay? And to me, it changes everything. It changes everything. He's not just a baby in a manger, but he's an almighty warrior. He's an almighty God. He is El Gabor. And the El Gabor is calling Gabors. The mighty one is calling mighty warriors. The mighty, the almighty one and I wrote this down. The Almighty One 
he can, he can handle it. He can heal it. He can redeem it because he is mighty. He can, he can handle it. He can handle it. No, I got I to gotta do all these things. It's just, you know, sweet baby Jesus can't handle it. No, he can handle it. He can, he can heal it. He can redeem it because he is mighty. My God is, is mighty. He is the almighty. And I want to ask you today, uh, who's your almighty? Because sometimes when we, when we have the idea that, that Jesus is, is graceful and loving and so kind, and he is, but I want you to understand, he is, he is both things. He's not just kind and loving, he is also stern and loving, and he is also mighty. God has expectations, God has boundaries. At the same time, God has grace. He is, he is, sometimes he doesn't make sense because I'm saying, God, how can you save a wrench like me, but how can you also use me? How can I be so sinful, yet how can you change me and transform me, pull me out of darkness into the light and make me a mighty warrior? It doesn't make sense. So who's your almighty? I want to ask today, who have you been trusting in? Because whatever you trust in is your almighty. So what are you, who, 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 who or what have you been trusting in? Have you been, I'll try, have you been trusting in a particular almighty person? You know, oh man, if I could just, you know what the context of the almighty person is? Maybe you're single and you're going, man, if I could just find somebody. Man, if I could just, or maybe you're already, maybe there's a codependency going, man, if I could just, man, if, or maybe your almighty is, your almighty circumstances. Lord, if, if, Lord, if, if you would just do this, and, and, and church, I do this sometimes as a pastor. Lord, if you could just give us, yeah. If you, I mean, if you could, you don't have to, but if you, if you could, we could do so much for you, Jesus. It'd be easier. What's your almighty circumstance? The almighty circumstance in your life is, is, that, is that scenario or that circumstance you're praying that God will bring, and when he brings it, it'll just fulfill everything. What's your almighty circumstance? Even for, for many of us in this room, it's the almighty us. I trust in me because I can't trust anybody else. I can't trust God. He'll probably send me to Africa. You know, like I can't trust God. He'll, he'll, he'll just take everything away from me. I can't trust God because I, I've, I've trusted him before. And he's never on time. He's never answered my prayers. And, and I, so I just got to trust the almighty me. The almighty Jeremy. Because I can control my circumstance and I can control my destiny. The almighty me. Or maybe you trust in the almighty government. They say, man, if we just, if, if I could just, man, if, if, if we could just vote and get this, and if we just, and this is so interesting, because this wasn't my intention to go political, because that can really grow a church, right, everybody? <laughs> yeah, well, the man, the man, you know. But Isaiah chapter 9, he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He pivoted and said, he's a wonderful counselor. But then he brought it back and said, but he's the mighty God. He's the mighty God. And I love this commentary. It says this. It says, God came to his people in a little child, that very child whom later Isaiah names mighty God, El Gabor. The interpretation is strengthened by the fact that Isaiah is seeking to dissuade men 
from trusting the Assyrian king. He's trying to say, yeah, yes, the king, and yes, he holds power, and yes, he has authority, but he says this, the nation's help rests not in Assyria where they were at, but in God. In this dark moment, God is with his people, and he is found in the birth of a child. So he came as a virgin, came as a baby, grew up in this place, right, died on a cross, resurrected into heaven because he is mighty. He is mighty. Our help rests not in American politics, but in Almighty God. In Almighty God. Do you know the, and I I know it's not 2020 or 2021, 2024 is coming up, friends, and and, and I really have this, this desire to tell you, man, if we pray just like we post, we could probably change a nation. Man, if I, if I don't know your spiritual uh, uh, standard or, or your spiritual stance, but I know your political stance, I think we're doing something wrong as a nation. My goodness. It's not the almighty government. It's the almighty God. I really believe, I really believe that our nation is where it's at today because as Christians, this, and I'm talking, this is maybe the, the, the older generation above me or this generation as well. I believe with all my heart, we stopped praying and we started voting. And we said, man, if we could just vote and just get, and voting is important and it's crucial, but we've got, my Bible says, it, it, it doesn't say vote. My Bible says if we humble ourselves and we pray, God will heal our nation, he'll heal our land. So hear me out. We, we need to vote. We need, we need to study. We need to do all those things. And we need to pray and say, God, who's the right person? Who's the right individual? But they're not mighty. They're not ones I trust. They're not, they're not, they're not my focus. It's Jesus Christ. Isaiah 22, he says this. He says, and I will place on his shoulders the key of the house of David. This is Jesus' lineage. So I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. And then in John chapter 19, we see it again. In John chapter 19, see, the Lord wants you to see that. Now, in John chapter 19, they said they took Jesus. He went out bearing his own cross, bearing his own cross to the place of the skull in Aramaic called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. The government was on his shoulders. That gives him every right to have authority over our lives. It gives him every right to reign over our lives. He carried the government on his shoulders. It goes so far beyond politics. It goes beyond his his supreme authority. Because my God is more than a baby in a manger. He's an almighty warrior. He's an almighty warrior. And I love in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says this, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He didn't do it just to do it to say, I hope I become president. (laughs) He did it to say, I want to pay the penalty and the price that they have to pay. That he, in, in our place, die for us. So we don't have to die, but we can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. So we cast our anxieties really begin to think of a statement. I want this statement to, I want you to, when you're sitting in your office on Monday or you're at jury duty on Monday because it's your civic duty. Yes. 
That's me. I got picked. Awesome. I'm, I'm honored. I'm going to be like, mighty God. You know, Monday. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this statement. And if, as, as you're afraid or terrified or anxiety, I want you to say, if he can carry the cross, he can carry me. Right? If he can carry the cross, he can carry me. If he can carry the cross, he can carry me. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Amen. And, and here's 1 Corinthians chapter 18, because this, this is kind of where I think we get lost in translation with God's almighty. But then Corinthians says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For those, people look at the cross and go, well, that's, that's kind of a weak thing to do. Like, like, sure, nails his hands, and yes, he got tortured, and, 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 but, 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 my, but, the, but the Bible says that he was like a lamb to the slaughter. Like, where's, what's mighty about that? But that's why it's the foolishness of those who were perishing, but to us being saved, it's the power, it's the might of God. It is the almighty God. And I love this commentary for sounding like foolishness, but that very weakness in human eyes opens the door to the power of God. That weakness opens the door to the power of God. The mighty power is the simple message of the cross. What Jesus did on the cross was pretty mighty. It was extraordinary. It was amazing. It was incredible. But 1 Corinthians chapter, seven, uh, chapter 12 says, Therefore, and this is Paul to the Corinthian church. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, therefore to keep me from trusting the almighty me, I believe that I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, I don't have this totally figured out, by the way, as a pastor, Okay. Paul says, I, uh, I have a thorn in my flesh, something that keeps me humble. Maybe Paul had hearing aids. I hope so. Because I have a hearing aid. Okay. <laughs> a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. For my might is made perfect in weakness. So do you want to be a Gabor? Do you want to be mighty? Then we got to be like Jesus. Isaiah 9 said he's a mighty God, El Gabor. And he's a mighty God because he died on the cross. So you want to be mighty, be like Jesus. Jesus was humble, therefore we humble ourselves. And we see through, all through this, all, we see this all throughout Scripture. And I'm trying to even wrap it in my own mind. It's like, God, how do I be an El Gabor? How do I be a mighty man of valor? How do I be a mighty man of God in this culture, in this society that we're in? How do I, how do I stand up? How do I proclaim? And, 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 and man, we, I believe as the American church, we need to get a little louder. Amen. We need to be a little bit louder about our faith and not shrink back. But, but so what's, what, how do I go there? In, in Judges chapter 8, we, we see a man named Gideon. And the, Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, Gabor. 
You are a mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan. He's literally like pointing at his family. Look at them jokers. They're the weakest. Like they're the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my family. I am just, and the Lord says this. He, he, he says, no, I'm going to use you. And you're a mighty warrior. God picked someone who was meek, and he made them a warrior. Well, that's Old Testament, that's Gideon. I mean, every pastor uses Gideon. Well, let's go to Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1. Angel of the Lord went to Mary. And he says, greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord's with you. The Lord's with you. Mary says, how does this be? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a virgin. I'm, I'm a young girl. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the El Gabor, the Most High, will overshadow you. I want, to be, I want to be mighty, yet do I need to be meek? Because it's not only our strength and our ability that we accomplish great things, but it's through God who makes us great. Okay? It's God who makes us great. Don't mistake humility for weakness, wherever it is here. But to have might is to be humble. Is to be humble. First Peter chapter five says, "If you humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, if you humble yourselves, therefore, under the Gabor, the El Gabor, so that at the proper time He may exalt you." I believe, with, and this is, we're going to do an Advent challenge here in a minute, but this is just burning in my heart. I believe the local church, every man in this room and every woman in this room, we need to live our lives as Gabors. We need to be mighty. We need to not to be ashamed of the gospel. We need to proclaim it wherever we're at. We need to be light in dark places. We need to say, God, here I am. I, man, we, sh- we, should, we, we should be the most generous church. We should, we should be uh, the most well-known church in the city. Why? Because we're El Gabor. We, we're Gabor serving the El Gabor. We are mighty. But we're, we're, but we're not narcissists. We're not mean. We're not, we're not, ah, freedom! But we're going, Jesus. Jesus. So I must humble myself under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I love this uh, commentary. It says, the major uh, motif comes from the imagery of a condemned man carrying his cross to an execution site. Nobody really wants to do this anymore, right? Like, fly me up. It's carrying a cross to the execution site. But it's a necessary part of discipleship is a daily willingness to sacrifice all and to suffer for the sake of Christ. My old self was crucified so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Enslaved to sin. And Jesus set the scene for this in Luke chapter 9. And he said, then he said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Not only is he a baby in a manger, but he is an almighty warrior 
And he's asking us to experience the cross. He's asking us to crucify ourselves with Christ. He's asking us to take up our cross every single day. He's asking us to do things that that is counterculture. He's asking us to do things that is against the status quo because he's not just a baby in a manger, but he's an almighty warrior. I even heard uh, this week, uh, had had lunch with someone in our church, and, and he's telling me his testimony and his story. And he was like, I found Jesus, but then I fell away. And, and when I fell away, I fell away. And just this and that began to share all the different things. And then he came back to Christ, and on his knees, he humbled himself. And he said, Jesus, save me and heal me. And then God began to bring blessings into his life. And one day he was praying, and he said, God, thank you for the blessings. I'm, I'm just, I don't even know why. I I left the faith, and God, thank you so much. You're so graceful. You're so amazing. And he he shared with me, he heard the Holy Spirit tell him that if if you're not obedient and if you're not faithful, I will take it away. And he went, whoa. And it was so, it was so, uh, he revered the Lord. It was a fear of the Lord that we talked about last week because he's more than just a baby in a manger. I should even say he's more than a genie in a bottle. He's an almighty warrior. He has boundaries. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. He's not mean about it, but he has some standards for us. We must experience the cross before we find the mighty life before we find the mighty life. So here's what Paul said. Remember Paul? Paul said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given the thorn in my flesh. He said, I asked God to take it away from me, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient. No. And for, I, I, and hear me wrong, this is first service, I'll, you know, but I feel like if we heard God say no, we would leave the faith. Done. Out of here. Forget you. But God is saying, trust me. My grace should be enough. Don't serve me for the things I give you. Serve me because it's me. Because he's the almighty God. I got This has been changing my entire advent. So I'm sorry I'm preaching my revelation. This is something that I've been receiving from God. And I'm going, this is more than, this is more than what we think. Because God said, my grace is, should be enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul continues to say this. He says, so therefore, I'm going to brag about it. I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul said, oh, that's the secret sauce. Oh, this is, this is how we proclaim the gospel to our homes and to our workplaces and to our city. Man, I brag about how weak I am because it puts their eyes on Jesus. How can God use somebody like you? Jesus. How? How can God use a church like Avenue Church? Jesus. Jesus. That is why, for Christ's sake, and this is where we get in the cuckoo land, right? I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in insults. You Christians are crazy. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you. I delight in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. 
Merry Christmas. Right? For when I am weak, I am strong. I'm, uh, I'm 39 years young. Okay? And when I was 18 months old, I had spinal meningitis. And I was in a coma for three days. But after the third day, I rose again. True, true story. And from 18 months to three years old in the 80s, they didn't check my hearing. Because it's the 80s. And at three years old, they began to realize um, I was I'm completely deaf in this year. And 60% deaf in this year. So since I was three years old, I've been wearing hearing aids. Um, grew up in church. Um, my mom is, is a, is a spirit-filled, on-fire woman of God. Um, <laughs> and, and my dad wasn't. I love you, dad. He is now. And I, I've been to every, every healing service. I've been laid hands on like major well-known individuals. I remember one time I was asking God, God, please heal my ears. Please heal my ears. I don't want to be, I was like, I don't want to be deaf in high school. I don't want to be deaf in, in, in college. I, don't, I really don't want to be deaf when I'm married. I don't want to be deaf as a father. I want to be the best. Even today, I say, God, I feel like I could be a better leader or a better pastor if, if I wasn't deaf. I, 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 can, I can hear things quicker, and I can, I, can, I can teach and pastor and challenge you on the moment. Or, you know, all the, and, and, and the, but, but, but I know when I'm weak, then I'm, I'm strong. And then I know. Right? And we go, yes. And I remember reading this context of scripture and going, huh, interesting. I, I'm not a pastor's kid. I mean, my dad's a used furniture salesman, same thing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hard of hearing, so I, I have a hard time with, you know, saying words sometimes. Uh, I, I try to pronounce words the way that I see them, not the way they're supposed to be. Like, I, I watched El Gabor on YouTube about 100 times just to make sure I said it right. You know, I, I study more and, and all these different things, but I realize that when I'm weak, I'm strong, and I began to travel with evangelists, and I remember I, I had a revelation of this context of Scripture, and, and I was traveling with evangelists. Um, you know, I would tell my testimony. I'm, I'm deaf, I'm hard of hearing, but God's called me to the ministry. And that was my testimony. I didn't drink, smoke. I didn't, you know, I was a virgin when I got married. I mean, it's just, I was a good church kid and all these different things. And, and I never sinned, not because I love God, but I never sinned, quotation marks, okay? I never sinned because I, I, didn't want, I didn't want God to punish me and never heal me. So I had the wrong motives. And as I would tell my testimony, and people would come up to me and people would go, can I pray for your ears? Strangers, and I would say, Yes, of course, please. And I remember one time a woman was praying for me, and I was going, Come on, Lord, heal me, heal me. And God spoke to me, and God said, Pray for her. And I was like, I'm talking about the wonderful counselor. And, and so I, and Amen. I go, Well, do me a favor. I have a new rule. Those that pray for me, I'm going to pray for you. 
And I was like, can I pray for you? And she said, yes, of course. And so I prayed for her. And I said, in Jesus' name. And she was like, whoa, I felt the power of God. That's amazing. Another girl next to her had a, had a cast on. And she comes up to me and she was like, can you pray for me? And I was like, pray for, pray for what? You know? And she was like, my leg. I was like, it's in a cast, girl. It's long gone. You know what I mean? Like... And I was like, no. And she goes, will you pray for me? And I was like, let's pray. And I said, in Jesus' name, I pray for her. And all of a sudden she goes, oh. And I was like, stop doing that. Stop it. And she was like, oh. And then she goes, she goes like this. And I was like, okay. Like, we need some paperwork here. You know? And I was like, in, in Jesus' name. She took the cast off. Started breaking it. Took it off. And took off running. God healed her. God healed her. She had more faith than I did because I was like, stop. <laughs> when I'm weak, he gets to show off. When I'm weak, he is strong. So here's your Advent challenge for the week. How many enjoyed last week? Read the book of Matthew. Uh, uh, pray for two minutes. Journal for two minutes. And think about a godly mentor. I want you to think about someone who can mentor you. Not a BFF, but a godly mentor. Someone who can coach you up. Here's the Advent challenge for the week. I want you to read the book of Mark. I want you to read the book of Mark. I want you to pray for four minutes this week. All right? We're going from two to four. And I want you to pray for four minutes this week. Then I want you to listen and journal for four minutes. You could even write down in your journal, where am I weak? And where are you strong? Where am I weak? Where are you strong? And then humbly pursue a godly mentor. This is someone who believes in God's word. This is someone that you have a spiritual attraction to. Um, you know, guys with guys, girls with girls. And for you to say, will you mentor me? And if you get approached by someone, you'll go, let me pray about it. Because mentorship is a two-way relationship. And then you begin that, in that process. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in our Advent uh, collection of talks. And the next one is, maybe you feel like you're saying, I, I am... I'm, your weakness can be defined by how you define it. And maybe you think your weakness is, I can't serve this church. Maybe you think your weakness is, oh, I, I'm not good at anything, or, or oh, man, my, my past, or, or there's, there's many things where we think we're weak. But at Connect One Day at Avenue Church, we're looking for weak and mighty people. Yeah. We're looking for, for weak and mighty people. Because I'm going to... I'm going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, and it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under El Gabor, under the mighty God. He's more than just a baby in a manger. He's, he's an almighty warrior. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, at the right time, at the appropriate time, on his time, he will exalt you. Then it continues on to say, you've got to read in the whole context, then it continues on to say, Cast your anxieties on him. In the same vein, in the same sentence, paragraph, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. It is a humbling experience to cast your cares on Jesus. It's a humbling experience to say, God, I'm not as strong as maybe people think I am. Or God, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to be strong and I've been trying to be the almighty me when I realize I need to cast my anxieties and cares upon you. 
It's a humbling experience to repent. It's a humbling experience to cast your cares upon God. So do me a favor, everybody in this room, will you just stand with me for just a moment? And I want to pray with every single person here today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for privacy. I want to ask just two questions this morning. And the first question I want to ask you today is maybe, is it your time to humble yourself? My prayer is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a different perspective of God. I said this in rally accidentally, but we need to stop saying, hey, Lord, this is what I'm up to. I need you to bless it. But the Almighty God, we have to say, Lord, what are you up to? I'm listening. I'm here. I'm the weak one. You're the strong one. But I know in due season, you make me strong. If you're here today, every head but every eye closed. And there's two terms we say in church. There's repentance, where we say, God, I'm, 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 I'm a sinner. God, I screwed up. I've repented my sins. Be Lord of my life. And we give our life to Jesus. The second term is what we call a rededication, where we say, I once gave my heart to Jesus, but man, I fell away. And it could be for various reasons, not even just sin, but focus perspective, our heart. But if you're here today and you want to repent, you want to be a Christian, or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus because you're realizing how mighty he really is, how extraordinary, how strong and powerful our God is. If that's you, just raise a hand. Just keep it up for me. Just keep it up. I won't embarrass you. Just keep it up. Keep it up. I see a lot of hands. It's a lot of hands. I want us to pray this prayer together. Everybody in this room, I want you to say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for doing the strongest thing. And that's paying for my sins. Say, I repent of my sins to be Lord of my life. Say, be my mighty God. And you are mighty to save. So the best way to know how, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live for you. That I know that when I'm weak, you are so strong. Because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on. Come on. Here's my last question. But before I ask this question, Matthew chapter 8, Jesus entered Peter's house. He saw his... Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Jesus touched her hand and the fever left her. Now we know why Jesus denied Christ three times. <laughs> huh? Peter, Peter. I say Peter. And so he touched her hand and the fever left her. She rose and began to serve him. Then that evening, that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with just a word. He healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. My question for you today, it's not because Jeremy's mighty, not because we sing mighty songs, it's not because Avenue Church is mighty, but we're sitting in a room with the Almighty God. If you need healing in your bodies, healing of your mind, just raise a hand. 
Just raise a hand. I want you to keep that hand up. And I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to ask God today to touch you and to heal you. To touch you and to heal you. To heal your body. If your hand isn't up, just put a hand, your hand on the shoulder of somebody with their hand raised just for a moment. And we're going to go old school just a second here today. But go ahead, worship team. Leah, just sing something sweet. I want us to just take a moment. I want us to take maybe just a minute. And I want you to ask God, who is so mighty, to heal you today. To heal you today.